Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for pastors and church leaders. I'm Andrew Cook. It's good to be together once more. Ephesians. More from Ray Tibbs on this New Testament letter. And we have a Pastor Talks with Malcolm Ryan. In the last few talks on Ephesians here on Serving Today, Ray Tibbs has outlined for us the roles of God the Father and God the Son in salvation. So here's Ray to introduce the next of these from the first chapter of Ephesians. This is the role of the Holy Spirit in our salvation in verses 13 and 14. Which read, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Ray, what's the first heading for Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14? Well, first of all, we have preparation for the work of the Holy Spirit. This comes in two ways. First of all, hearing the word of truth. Amidst many falsehoods, the word that is true came to Ephesus, a city that was already highly religious. And in what ways were those who lived in Ephesus religious? Well, the outstanding feature of Ephesus was the Temple of Artemis, a local deity later identified with the Artemis of the Greeks, and then with Diana of the Romans. The first temple was burned down in 356 BC and was replaced by a larger structure paid for by subscription from all over the region. It became one of the wonders of the world. And because the temple grounds were sacred, the area became both a sanctuary for the oppressed and also a place where money was kept. The focal point of worship was the image that fell from heaven. The intensity of devotion to this cult is reported both inside and outside the New Testament. You can see in Acts chapter 19, verse 34. And both these sources say that the city abounded in superstitious practices. Take a look at Acts chapter 19, verse 19. So under this first heading, preparation for the work of the Spirit, we have, first of all, hearing the word of truth. What's the second part of that, Ray? Yes, the second part is believing in the word of truth. Some of those who heard that word accepted it for what it was, absolute truth, not another religious novelty. It was good news for their souls since it dealt with salvation from sin. It introduced them to Jesus Christ and opened the way for a living relationship with him.
Next, we come to the work of the Spirit, and it refers here to sealing. And what does that mean, Ray? Well, various things it refers to because it speaks of a physical act when a document was sealed with liquid wax and the impression of perhaps a signet ring or other symbol. And this physical act is conveying certain truths. In physical terms, that sealing was a proof of authenticity. The item was the genuine article and not a copy. It was like a security tag. The item had not been tampered with. It was a public proof of possession. It identified the owner. And also, it represented the conclusion of a transaction. It was only sealed at the end of a process. Thank you for clarifying that. At the beginning of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, there's a little expression, in Christ. What is the significance of this for believers? When someone was sealed in Christ, it meant that his saving work was applied to them. He died for them and took away their sin. Christ identified himself with that person and he belonged to them as much as they belonged to him. That person would become increasingly like Christ. Verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 1 says that those who are in Christ have the seal of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean for believers then? The coming of the Holy Spirit to dwell within a person is a real experience and his very presence is a sign that the person is a real Christian. Take a look at Romans chapter 8 verse 16 or the first letter of John chapter 3 verse 24. The possession of the Holy Spirit shows those people as being marked out from others and their new holiness is indicative that there is a power at work within them, which is divine. God had given notice that this was his intention. Joel chapter 2 verse 28. After awakening belief in the first place, the Spirit takes up permanent residence only after that belief has occurred. Ray, you've outlined there for us the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. What does this result in then? Well, the results of the Holy Spirit's work can be seen in verse 14 in three ways. First, as a deposit. The indwelling Holy Spirit is like a down payment which promises greater things to come. Among the first fruits of the Holy Spirit are the forgiveness of sin and the reality of spiritual life now and the assurance that the Spirit will be taken to be with God at death. We struggle 
with the tension between what we have and what we lack. But there is no uncertainty about its eventual provision. The second result is an inheritance. There can be no change of mind on God's part. The transaction will be completed. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. We have yet to receive the final redemption of our bodies, but it is certain. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. We know something of freedom from sin and fellowship with God, but then we will know both of those things fully. So the results of the Spirit's work is that he is a deposit and it's an inheritance and that's all very encouraging. What does the Spirit's work in believers also lead to? Yes, it leads also to praise. Our salvation has a higher purpose than simply doing us good. Paul has already reminded the Ephesian Christians that their salvation brought glory to God. That's in verses 6 and 12. We are his possession. He has acquired us for himself. Not only do we have an inheritance that awaits us, God does too. He waits for the completion of his work in each one of our lives. We must value the salvation we have been given by preparing ourselves to receive that inheritance one day and in the meantime living to God's praise. The rest of this letter helps us to find out how to do just that. Thanks, Ray, and we look forward to hearing more on that in future programmes. Joining us here on Serving Today to share some wisdom from God's Word, here's Malcolm Ryan with A Pastor Talks. You know, in every one of us, there's an emptiness that needs to be filled, and our attempt to fill that void with all sorts of activities doesn't seem to work. Oh, we might find a certain amount of enjoyment, satisfaction, and even contentment in these pursuits, but there's always a longing for something more. Now, let's think about King Solomon with all his worldly riches. As 1 Kings chapter 10 verse 14 mentions, Solomon received 666 talents of gold each year as a basic income. In today's values, that would be an absolutely staggering amount. In fact, Solomon was so rich, he could buy anything he wanted. In Ecclesiastes 2 verse 10 he wrote, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Yet, in the very next verse he adds, When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And in verse 17 he goes on to say, So I hated life, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And do you know something? What was true for Solomon is also true 
for us. Because when we try to fill that emptiness in our lives with the things of this world, it's like trying to pour water into a leaky container. So what will work and what will satisfy us? There's a clue for us in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, where we're told that God has set eternity in the human heart. Ah, so we should be looking for something that will really last. And Blaise Pascal puts it so well when he says, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator, made known through Jesus. That's the answer. Only an ongoing relationship with the one who made us and loves us more than we love ourselves will totally satisfy us and fill us with the joy our hearts long for. Thanks to Malcolm Ryan. And that's all we have time for here on Serving Today. You can contact the programme with any questions you may have. The details will follow in a few moments. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May the eternal God bless you as you serve Christ. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. There are a number of ways to get in touch. Our email address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. Or you can search our web catalogue at www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.